Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? And today we have the wonderful Scat McCallan. How's it going, guys? What's up? Good. How are you? Yeah, man. Fantastic. Thank you for asking. You sound excited. <laughs> you sound really excited, man. Are you kidding, man? How uh, like I I love I love doing this stuff. I love talking magic. It's it's like what I do almost. And it's it's, it's so like nice. you may or may not have a podcast where you talk about. You should get a podcast. I yeah. should. <laughs> I should. I totally should. So, I, you know what? Okay. I'm gonna go and find three of my best friends and put one of those together. Okay, yeah. cool. Maybe maybe retroactively do it like a couple months years ago, so that you know you already have a library built up at this point. Mm. It's a good idea. Tell, yeah. tell the folks on our podcast, just really quickly, what's your podcast about and, and, and uh, what do you guys specialize in? Just so they kind of know a little bit about it. Sure, sure. So uh, so I'm one of the founding members of the E-Team podcast. It's located over on manadeprived.com. Uh, we, we are actually one of the oldest running podcasts that uh, on, on the topic of Magic the Gathering that are still recording today. Uh, the only one that actually outpaces us today that is still recording with any regularity is uh, is limited resources. Aha. Okay. So so yeah so so if they're number one, we're number two as far as all the rankings go. But we're not really we don't count limited resources because it's basically a Watsy product now anyway. Right, right Marshall. At this point. Right Marshall. <laughs> So yeah, it's good. Yeah, we're we're a variety show. We we talk about uh, life as as magic players. Um, you know, a couple of us are fathers. You know, a couple of us are husbands. You know, so talking about how all of that stuff balances, and we talk about current events and what's going on. And time to time, we have pretty sweet guests. So it's pretty good stuff. Super sweet, super yeah. super sweet. Are you super stoked to talk uh, modern with us? Can't wait. My favorite format. Not close. Is it really your favorite format? Not close. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, excellent. That's that's wonderful. That's me too. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> it's weird. You should start a podcast talking about masters of mo- you know m- mastering the modern format and call it something. Yeah, right. Something fancy. There's you just know, oh, go you know what? I I should maybe start a stream about that. Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, there's this thing called the internet. I've heard about it. There's one more. By the way, just because we're talking modern, and, and I know this will come up at some point in the conversation. There's there's one more PPTQ locally modern this season, and it's two weeks from yesterday, um, locally. Right, Whittier, I think is where it is, or maybe it's somewhere else. But anyway, it's Sounds close, far. and I'm gonna I'm gonna play in it. I'm going to put a deck together. It's not gonna be my Coco deck. Okay, it's probably gonna be a real deck this time. Well, maybe time. you should play Team Geist. Yeah, like I have a sweet one for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that deck is. I like casting Geist. I'll play my Geist deck that plays Steel of the Godhead and Meddling Mage. That's a better idea. Um, <laughs> uh, no. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, I I pulled that stuff off with Deathrite Shaman and Zur. Little like Deathrite Shaman, by the way, is is my 
like the Scotty Mac Invitational card, just so that we're all clear. Right, because you're yeah. a one-mana Planeswalker. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I totally forgot how good Zur would be in that deck. Oh, dude. The problem is, is you can't cast Zur on turn four in this format. No, you just... But when you cast him on turn three, it gets dumb. <laughs> well, that's amazing with Deathrite, but I mean, like, in, in the construction of the deck that I was putting together, the reason that I came about it was, like, I think that Vidalcan Outlander is your two-drop to, like, play your steel on is pretty decent just because of Dodge's Lightning Bolt. That's one of the sure. biggest problems. It's not like a great card, but if you actually have that in Godhead against a red deck, you'll just pretty much win the game. Yep. Um, so, but that's pretty clever with, with, uh, with Zur. Like, you attack, and it gets steel onto Zur. He's already hard to kill because he's a one for it. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty good. All right, let's get to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just before we get into the subject matter at hand, which is pro tournus and deck techness, I want to remind all of you guys on the internet to follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. We like tweeting with you guys, so please tweet us. Uh, moving on to the subject at hand. Pro Tour Magic Origins. It was pretty epic, actually. There was some, like... I think the fact that they had the player of the year holder on camera <laughs> discussing the match where he literally lost player of the year to the guy playing was one of the best things I've seen in a magic stream in my entire life. Like, Ypro was so broken in that conversation. Oh, yeah. Like, at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, he's a great guy, but I'm just going to go cry in a corner. Oh, God. I feel so and, and, like, I was heartbroken for him. I was like, no, why did this guy lose? There's a there's a very classic movie. I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen it. It's called Pumping Iron. It's Schwarzenegger's weightlifting documentary from the late <laughs> 70s. Uh, and it's it's hilarious. I mean, it's a cult classic. Like, most people know about this movie, but it's because he has the one really, like, obscene line that he uses. But I won't say it because it's a PG podcast. But uh, basically, there's this great. You totally should have told me that ahead of time. There's a, there's a great sequence. <laughs> there's a great sequence. Well, now like, you know. <laughs> where you see like two bodybuilders, this guy Mike Katz, and he he loses to Ken Waller, and they're interviewing Katz right after they find it. He finds out that he didn't win, and he's like just so broken. They're like, "How do you feel?" He's like, "Oh God, Kenny's a great guy. I'm so happy for him. He's, I just gotta go shake his hand and tell him what a great job he did. God, I'm so happy for Kenny. It's just one of the most like the saddest things it's I've ever hard. seen. And he, like he had no control over it either. And he was just like, "Yeah, I'm super excited. I got to be on stream. And uh, yeah, so for <laughs> Mono Red won the whole thing. Uh, I do think something to be taken with a grain of salt. I see the internet right now freaking out about the fact that oh, we should buy." Uh, Abbott, and there's like, all oh, Red's the best deck on the planet, but like, Red always wins Pro Tours, or at least does well in Pro Tours, because yeah. it's new, and pros lean on the fact that like, oh, I'm just gonna like... Burn people out. Burn people out and win most, well, like, random matches. The other thing to consider about Red at the end of, like, a, in fat standard, is it's always at its best, right? So right. if you look at, at formats when they're really early, standard formats specifically, when the Red cards come out, I mean, you get a smattering of Red cards, but when you're putting together a mono Red aggro deck, you know, week one, week two of the new format, it's probably pretty thin on playable cards. Right. Right? Whereas now we've got the best of the best, the cream of the crop mono red decks, the most efficient, the most, like, crazy. I mean, like, let's let's be honest. I mean, Monastery Swift Spear into Abbott is, like, like that's pretty gross. Yeah. Well, not, not to mention, like, Monastery Swift Spear into... Um... Eidolon of Great Revels into that, into a burn spell. Like, the curve yeah. in that deck. I mean, we have two stan two standard blocks plus two core sets all available. That's yeah. so many red cards that uh, Goblin Rabble Master isn't good anymore. It's yeah. not good enough to make the cut. And <laughs> How many Pro Tours have been won by Mono Red now in the last four? Three out of four? Is that right? Didn't Rabble Master win two? Isn't that right? I have no idea. Or is this winning? was it winning Grand Prix? I could have sworn uh, Martin Dang 
won Mar- the Martin Dang won the last Pro Tour with, with he won the Dragons Pro Tour well with the Tarka Red. Yeah, it was like splashing for a Tarka's command and some sideboard cards. And didn't I thought, uh, I thought Rabble Master won the previous Pro Tour also or something? So the pre then the Pro Tour before that was Fate Your Forge, which was modern. Okay, and yeah. that was won by Twin. But like Burn was Burn Close. was up there. Like I there was a, there were two or three Burn decks. Like Leisha Shan was playing Burn, and I think so was Seth Manfield. Yeah, Manfield was he was going far with that deck. Yeah, and then like Pro Tour Cons was Pro Tour. Pro Tour Cedrano, so yeah, right, 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 right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, I mean, playing Abbott on turn two is not like that insane. It's just the fact that like, well, it's good at any point. Like on turn two, not that great. It's just on a prowess two two, but, but like you could, one. The problem with a lot of red decks is they're like their two drops just get outclassed by end game. But right now they have Abbott and Great Revel, and both of those are like pretty much good whenever you draw them. Great I rap. think the prowess on Abbott makes him really good, and that that's the piece that I'm really I'm really interested by, and and I think candidly it's the piece that makes him potentially modern playable in burn yeah i mean like the fact that there's another like (laughs) the fact that it's basically like non-tribal silver girl adept except like kind of better in red is so absurd right i mean i guess the the, the, like the big difference there is obviously that um you can't you, you can't uh actually do anything with the card on turn two unless it like was like i don't know probe or something like that well, I mean, in modern turn two, you're just playing it because in modern, getting a threat that they have to worry about on turn two is always just generally decent because there's like the power level at two is to three is such a jump. But the fact that on turn four you can play it and get a lightning bolt killing them that turn plus or pumping your swift spear that's already in play. There's so many different plays you can get with that card that it definitely is modern playable. And you it's yeah. so hard to block that card because you could just play three burn spells in response to them blocking and they're just like, well, my creature just chump blocked your thing and you still have like your very dangerous threat on the board. Is there some sort of like, uh, like two, I know this is just way deep right now, but this is what I want to do for a second. This is one of the two cards to really talk about from the pro tour that could affect <laughs> modern. So it's fine. <laughs> just, just go with me down this for a second. So you guys know all of the shenanigans with, with other violent company that I've been talking about for months. Um, Let's just take let's take a company out of the equation for a second. Let's just talk Ether Vile. Okay. What if you were gonna have like a deck with four Ether Vile, four Silvergill, and then four Abbott, and you try to figure out a way to like jam a blink effect into a deck like this with a bunch of ETB? All of a sudden, if there's a way to like maybe Wasn't it's playing there, changelings. That's kind of what or... elves does. It's just with elf cards. Yeah. That, are, that aren't red. <laughs> I just mean like the fact that they're two power instead of one. Because obviously, Coiling Oracle is like has always been legal. You could always have played that card, but it's not good enough. The fact that you get two power for two mana, and if you can figure out a way to like fit, I don't know, changelings or anything like that into the deck, so that you can actually consistently get value out of both, it seems like a sweet, sweet place to start. I don't know. All right, so moving. <laughs> so Joel Larson won. Joel Larson, also known as Swedish Kibbler, due to mostly based off of just fantastic hair. I think is he the does have good hair. <laughs> um, playing Burn, he's he's done a great showing recent, like over the last like two years. He's made almost every top eight that I've paid too much attention to other than at least the modern ones is his name actually joel larson or yol larson it's, it's yol larson and they call him yol because he's european or he actually goes by yol no i think it's he's actually swedish. Yol. he's swedish he's swedish okay it's spelt joel but it's pronounced Joel. it's like you know in euro trip when he's like it's not jan it's jan and that's his the cousin and right, it's right, like right 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 complicated yep it's that exact exact same situation but they're swedish and not german so not exact but whatever awesome. uh, <laughs> moving awesome. on um so what are, what are some of the things cool things you notice about the pro tour anything about you know how that went and what was interesting to you scott i really enjoyed so okay so we ran a pool on our on our show 
uh, every every pro tour, and we put something dumb on the line and and whatnot. But we added a, a unique clause this year, which was um, if one of your people win the whole pro tour, then the rest of your points don't matter. You win. So my fourth pick. Uh, cause he's, you know, he's a buddy of mine and been on my stream a couple times. That sort of stuff is, uh, was Mike Sigrist. So for me, oh, no. it was like, it was like really exciting <laughs> to watch that narrative develop as, you know, I am way behind in my points with some of my picks, mostly because Yuyo Watanabe had a less than stellar day one showing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that said, I mean, like Siggy was was sweet. I mean, I was I was in Montreal when he took that down, so that was awesome. Um, you know, just recently at the GP, and uh, and so to see him sort of going, and then you know, as he's as he's fighting, you know, to try to get into top eight, and they start talking about how he could overtake Efro, and and it was just it was really really neat uh, to watch, and uh, and he really is just an unbelievable magic player. So. Uh, so it was really exciting for me. That was that was a big highlight. Also, Kentaro Yamamoto uh, playing that Abzan uh, Megamorph deck. That's that's my standard jam, by the way. The, like, the uh, Abzan Megamorph deck? Absolutely. Got that it. That is my jam in standard. So I was really concerned going into this Pro Tour that it was easily going to get outclassed by either some absurd, crazy combo control decks that are going to abuse these new Flipwalkers uh, or Mono Red is just going to crush face. <laughs> As it turns out, uh, Kentaro Yamamoto made top eight of the event by basically X owing day one. So, right, he's, yeah, he's yeah, playing basically the exact same deck that I had going into the Pro Tour. So, that well, was I think, encouraging. I do think that was a good choice for this weekend, anyways, because so many people were already expecting Languish to be not stellar because it's the decks that it. You know, because it's been around now for three weeks, people just are expecting the decks that it's good against to not be played. So they played less of them. But my general understanding is Languish is like the worst card or like for you to see across the table if you're playing that deck. And since it's not around, he kind of like just like, oh, I'm just going to run over everyone with value train because they're not going to be able to Languish me out anymore. Yeah, I mean, I just played Languish himself. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's. I think if people had known like that the Thopper deck was going to be like the deck, if that was like if, if the meta knew that, then I have a feeling Languish would have been more prominent. But I think the fact that people were just like, well, there's going to be new decks, but Siege Rhino and Tassica are both really good cards and they're in standard, and Languish doesn't kill those. Like, I'm not going to lean on this card because why would I lean on a card that doesn't kill two of the most important threats in standard? Um, yeah, I don't know. That's my feeling. Yeah, what I thought was really amazing about uh, Yamamoto's approach with the deck for this tournament in particular, like Abzan Rally was, you know, a known entity going in, but, you know, and everybody knows that Abzan Aggro, generally in the face of Languish, is functionally a dead archetype, right? Like, you just you, you just can't really profitably lean on all that stuff anymore if Languish is in the format. But what Kentaro did was he decided to sideboard into all of the greatest hits of Abzan Aggro in the matchups where it was really good. Right. Like, he, he was like three copies of Anafenza, and the Rally decks basically crapped all over themselves. It was great. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, Chapin wrote a really good article about the deck earlier today, and he was like, one of the coolest things was that he was just playing Fleece Main Lines in the sideboard because once you play against decks, they're going to take, thinking you're Abzan, you're going to take those languages out because you're like, oh, this is terrible against Siege Rhino. He's like, oh, well, here's my indestructible 4-4. Good luck. Yeah. That was Sperling. Sperling was doing that. Um, he, Sperling, Sperling just made the semi. He's a semi, right? He got knocked down the top four. He got correct. correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To Joel. 
or yeah, Yo, yeah. Yola. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, nice to see uh, Sperling in the top forefront of the podcast, Matt Sperling. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess the other thing to really talk about is Hangerback Walker. I mean, this God, is this good. card basically took over along with um, in Solar Artifact the entire Pro Tour from everyone's the outside that and Burn, I guess theoretically, and like that is a card that I can't not see at this point seeing play in modern in the affinity decks it's just crazy i mean like the fact that a deck like thopters a brand new deck was so prominent was so heavily was played and not only was it played but it was like every time i'd tune back in to, to the day two right and i'd see like the final rounds and then the top eight it'd be like and for the next matchup we have this deck playing against this brand new thopters deck that is being played by another player like it was well, just nuts. It's kind of, I mean, it was kind of how Sky like mentioned it earlier, where what happened with Burn was you have now so many Burn cards from so many different sets all together. It like was just enough cards to put it over the top. This is another situation where we had two core sets back to back that both had very strong red blue artifact archetypes. Like if you look at last set, the last set, like in Soul Artifact was like a main car in that set. And they had the like Thopter deck that, you know, tried doing all those things with Thopters. Like there was like a fake deck that like, you know, it was tier three standard that like even our friend Craig, who doesn't play Constructed Magic, he only plays Commander, built it just because he had the cards. That was and a deck. it cost deck. like $4 to build. Right, exactly. And he would just like take it to f randomly because he was bored. But you had enough power, including a Lord of like an anti-board wipe card and like you know, a bunch of other, like, cards of this deck, and it eventually goes over the top and starts becoming a Tier 1, obviously, deck. So we all remember that Siege Gang Commander is a completely ridiculous <laughs> magic card. Yeah, 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 big right, time, big yes. Time. Okay, you know that they printed two upgraded copies of, <laughs> of Siege Gang Commander in this set. In right. this set! <laughs> I mean... You know, four, five drop versus four drop. What? How much uh, could that converting a mana cost really well, matter? There's two. There's two four drop. <laughs> You've got the key and peel card, right? Right. Chandra's right, right. mom and dad. Uh, and and like they produce two flying thopters, and then you've got the Whirler Rogue, which is again produces two flying thopters, right. and it's the two in both cases, like for four mana. It's it's ridiculous. Whirler Rogue to me was was a very very interesting. Like if I if I was gonna predict looking at the spoiler, what's going to show up at this Pro Tour, I, I really wouldn't have seen World Road coming. I would have said, like, yeah, that's possible, but, like, it doesn't give you quite enough upside, whereas by the end of the Pro Tour, it was just like, yeah, this is really obvious. I, Barrios didn't work with Channel Fireball in face-to-face games, right? So so his lists, is, their lists are very similar. The main right. decks are, they, they are fairly intuitive, right? They had a lot of the same cards. And, I mean, they played two copies of Whirler Rogue and three copies of, uh, Barrios played three copies of, of Pia and Kieran. Right. And and what, what I thought was really and, and they also played four copies of Thopter Engineer, by the way, to give artifact creatures haste. Um, <laughs> That's the one, two that gives you a one, one that are one, three. Yeah. For three mana. Yeah. So so it's shockproof, it, which is important in this format because the burn decks are playing mono shocks. Wild Slash is really big this weekend. Yeah. Um, but what I thought was really interesting was when you take a look at the two lists, Stephen Bar- uh, Barrios is and in the CFB list that Sigurus is running. There's a very clear leaning on mana color uh, between right. the two. One was like, very leaning towards red and the other. Was, I mean, Seagrass said this on camera during his uh, deck okay. tech, which yeah. was just like, I'm not playing uh, Charanja's parents because the double red is too much for like this almost mono blue that I'm only playing red for Shrapnel Blast at this point. Right. Whereas in this case, Barrios was basically playing a red deck with blue for Whirler Rogan and Soul Artifact. Yeah, I mean, it is. God, 
Yeah, it's still artifacts. It's a silly card. It's so funny that. Well, it, I mean, it's a it's a mo it's a, almost a modern staple in our affinity decks. Like it sees less play when um uh you know it's seeing less play in formats where Stony Silence isn't seeing as much of play. So like the Jund modern we've had for a couple months, it's seen a little bit less play. But in full artifacts, been a staple of affinity since it came out, basically. Yeah, it's very it's very very good. Quit, I want to cover one thing for okay. just a minute or two before we get into deck tech, and that's just I just want to evaluate. From this Pro Tour, we mentioned a couple cards, Hangerback Walker and Abbot of Carol Peak keeping the two. Did, is there anything else impact-wise in Modern that we can draw from this Pro Tour, just in terms of unexpected power level or, as you said, uh, 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 Soul Artifact is already extremely popular in Modern. You know, I didn't feel like I saw anything new from the commands or anything like that. I think I think Chandra's Parents is now up for argument for the Huntmaster slot in Jundex. That's fair. I yeah. think as a four drop, it does a lot of what that card does already. It's worse against burn, but it's better against like affinity where, and in fact, where you're tapping out for four mana, but have the two one, one flyers. You need to block any infector yeah. or a flyer from affinity. Yeah, or and, they just turn into shocks too, which is sweet. Right. And yeah. And then as soon as you untap, you have two shocks available that like can also wreck those two decks specifically and even help against burn. I definitely think, it's up for contention in there. I do, I mean, as I mentioned, I think Hangerback Walker, I mentioned this in our review of the set even, is one of the best cards for modern, just from the fact of, like, it is already proven good in artifact strategies, and it synergizes so well with um, Ravager. Ravager, it, it works but also so well Steel with, Overseer too, right? Yeah, it works so well with, like, both of those strategies, and, the, like, both sides of the affinity, like, game plan of going wide and going large both kind of work with it which is really interesting yeah absolutely so it's definitely a card i'd be looking out for and i think abbott is in contention i do think of those three it's the lowest possibility of seeing play um just because the decks that are would want to play it are already so deep um but the fact that it has prowess the fact that it goes so well in burn and everything else burn is playing i definitely think it could see some play cool all right and and we think that it's possible that we'll hang back walker ends up in other decks too we just maybe people haven't really experimented with it yet right so Kibler threw four copies of Hagerback Walker in his nine-one green white deck. Yeah, that's true. Four on the sideboard, yep. just because. Because it's just that good. Because it, <laughs> I mean, like it answers every problem those decks have, which is that's languish. <laughs> that's awesome. All, All right. right, so Let's get deck tech. You are you're a Geist guy. You're a blue white red Geist guy. Hashtag Team Geist. Hashtag <laughs> Kessler's dream. Uh, so the origin of this deck, I actually attribute to uh, Larry Swayze. So back when both Bloodbraid Elf and Deathrite Shaman were both legal in modern, there was a weekend, there was a Pro Tour qualifier weekend on MTGO that got taken both Saturday and Sunday by the same 75. Larry Swayze did it first with his version, and he was playing four guys. He was playing no restos, but, you know, Snapcaster Mages, very burn-focused uh, he had uh, he had some Heroes of Blade Hold in there, which is a traditionally difficult card for them for uh, people to answer back then. This is in modern. Right. He was playing Hero. Yep. Wow. When, how long ago was this? Uh, this was uh, the like right before the Bloodbraid banning, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so it's a couple years ago. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. it was like this was the January before the banning of Bloodbraid. So he was the first one to basically issue uh, Cryptic Command, basically saying the card's too slow and does nothing, you know, and and really got heavily into the burn plan with the deck. And uh, just tried to make all the cards redundant. And he had he found great success. He completely demolished his BTQ, shipped the same 75 off to Brandon Large, and he ran it back the next day and did exactly the same thing. So, you know, so so he was really sort of one of the originators, I think, to find success with the deck. 
And then since then, it's been you know, it's been a bunch of different bannings and a bunch of different things. And and a friend of mine, Jason Clark, really little genius on Twitter, um, <clears throat> got me into the deck because I'd kind of been tired of playing Jund for two seasons. Uh, Modern is has been my format of choice since it came out. Like Reed Duke and his his unveiling of the punishing uh, punishing Jund Liliana engine was just absurd for me, and I just like grinding people out for value. So I ended up. Uh, building that and i got tired of playing two ptq seasons with that and then finally jason was like hey man like we're all going to boston and we're going to gp wooster you got to try this deck out like i know you're tired of john just try this just try this and he'd been playing literally like restoration angel guys saying traff snapcaster mage since it was standard legal that was his jam he's he was playing this deck in standard when it was legal yeah, when they went back <laughs> back when you played delver so sweet yeah oh right God. so <clears throat> so that being said He's like, yeah, you got to try this. I said, okay, fine. So we were playing around with the list, and and then, you know, we'd been writing about it a bit on Legit MGG, and we got Larry's attention on Twitter. <coughs> Pardon me. And and so we got to talking about it, and we the three of us started really putting the deck on the anvil again, because Wooster is basically Larry's backyard. We were all going. We're like, okay, the three of us are going to make this work. The deck's great. It's perfectly positioned. We just need to tune it right. Let's do it. We put it on the anvil. We came out with basically the best possible 75 for GP Wooster. Three of us day two'd. I cashed, and Larry lost his win and in for Toppy. Jeez. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland, chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. And in the in the entire testing process was documented in articles and streams and the whole nine. And it was like through that, that the team Geist brain trust was born. And then GP Wooster was less than a year ago, right? Eight months ago, like that. It was a, a year and a bit ago. Yeah. Oh, it was more. Okay. Just, just like it was, I think it, it might actually have been almost perfectly a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So that was like before the birthing pod banning. And what made the deck really successful for us was it had pretty good game against uh escape shift. It had good game against twin. Like, the deck is able, it's an aggro control deck, and what really uh, adds to the value of this deck is it's got this one sorcery speed threat in Geist of St. Traft, which is, you know, this this creature that, this red card, secretly, <laughs> that, you know, jams in for six every turn, um, that your opponent can't remove outside of combat. So if you just add in a bunch of instant speed removal cards or ways to save your Geist of St. Traft, like Restoration Angel, then you can't possibly ever lose it. And you get to play all of the rest of your cards on your opponent's turn. So, you know, that ad lines up very well generally against the other blue decks like Twin that are trying to do the same to you. But you force them to react to you and thereby, you know, taking their tempo and, and really making it, uh, making it to your advantage. Okay, so let me ask you this. You, you don't have an accelerant on turn one with the deck. 
So you're playing Geist natural on turn three if you play Geist on turn three. Otherwise, you're waiting to play Geist till turn four, holding up path. How do you not just lose to Twin, or how is Twin not a terrible matchup with Geist as your three drop? That's a really good question. So there's a rule about this deck, okay? And it's always jam. Just jam so, things into play and... Always jam guys of St. Traft. Okay. The only exception to that is turn three on the draw versus twin. Okay. Or something like an effect deck or something along that. If they have like a creature and they you, you play it. Like the decks that you could die if you play this on turn three. There are a lot of... So, <clears throat> there are actually a lot of times where against infect specifically, I'm actually looking to resolve Geist on three. Very likely I have removal spell a turn one. Uh, removal mm. spell turn two, Geist of St. Trapped on turn three. Fair enough. Because, again, like you have to win the game. And, mm, and I think right. that's why this deck is actually very powerful, is that normally blue-white-red control decks give your opponents forever to play their game. And we've said this before, because I've been running, or have like in the past been running, the blue-white-red Kiki control list, which is yep. pretty much the same thing, but Kiki, Jiki, and four Restoration Angels versus Geist of St. Trapped. Uh, and I play Geist in the sideboard because I love the card so much I can't get rid of it. <laughs> and you play Wall of Omens, they don't play Wall of Omens, right? Correct, true. Um, that the purpose of it is, you know, the point of what Kiki did to it, which is what Geist does to the deck, is it gives you an end game. It gives you something you're working towards where my biggest complaint of the deck, the first time I took it through a PTQ season was, I'm winning accidentally. I'm winning because <laughs> eventually my Celestial Colonnade hits them for enough damage that I win. But yeah. when all my opponents are proactively punching me in the face and I'm just hoping to survive long enough where my lightning bolts accidentally kill them, it felt frustrating. But adding something like a Geist of St. Traft or a Kiki-Jiki combo finish makes the deck a lot more dangerous just because they have to worry about, you know, this next level threat. Yeah. Now, so playing against Twin is an interesting an interesting phenomenon. <laughs> and, and it's the only... And by the way, it's only in game one. <clears throat> because in game two... They need to respect your removal enough often that I – so there are some twin players that are insane, as they say. And those are the ones that d don't take out any of the combo ever, and they're just always looking to turbo combo. Game one, game two, game three, it doesn't matter. And you come across those people sometimes. It is what it is, right? Not a lot of twin players are like that. A lot of twin players against a deck like this, against the other blue decks, are looking to basically become a blue-red control deck themselves. Um, we're right, not they, even. Talk they bring about in Kyranos. They bring in, you know. <clears throat> yeah, and we're not even going to talk about Grixis yet because, like, Grixis Twin is actually way easier than Blue Red Twin for this deck to beat. But <clears throat> where things get interesting is you have to play in such a way that you you have to make them react to you. Like, they they use their life total as a resource. The number of times which I have played Snapcaster Mage on turn two, um, into Twins three mana at the end of their turn, just as an ambush viper is quite high because you play a spell on turn two on their turn three and you are looking to make them flinch. Like you, you want them to do something, right? You're putting a throw on the board that they now have to react to. Yeah. And you want them to react to it. You want them to do something. And if they do something in that regard, whether it's bolted or counter it or whatever, then you 100% untap it, Jam. Guys, same draft. <laughs> then they don't possibly. <laughs> right. Well, this is this, this is the same this is the same principle behind a few years ago, whatever that was, the first World Players Championship, and the one where Finkel and Kibler were playing that blue white the blue white Geist Snapcaster deck, 
And exactly. The, and the theory was you saw in coverage pretty much, I think Kibler did, or Fingal did it in a bunch of games, he plays the turn two Snapcaster almost every single game that he has it with no, he's not trying to like, in, like sorcery speed resolve it with like a taxi and probe or anything. It was just literally, this is versatile, but at the end of the day, it's like playing Abbott. It's like, I'm just going to put a threat on the table because it's a threat on the table and it's early and later it's going to get me value. But right well, now, the thing, it's a threat. The thing with Snapcaster Mage is if it gets in for four and then blocks something, like... that's a, Yeah, that did pretty much anything it was going to do anyways. It's crazy, right? And, and against those twin decks, it often does that or more. It also kind of baits them because if they're playing, if they're the crazy player who's just game through, you know, two and three, just going to go combo straight up, they're not going to worry about the Snapcaster Mage. So, you know, if they're just taking the damage from you, they're on a specific game plan and you know kind of how to react to that. But if they react to it as a threat because they're like, oh, no, I'm in control mode. I need to not die here. Then, you know, oh, they took out their combo. They're not they're not like, oh, who cares about a two one? I'm going to win on turn four. It's oh, God, there's a two one. I'm not going to win in turn until 10. So, like, it's definitely kind of a it makes them it calls their bluff while also presenting a legitimate threat on turn two as a hasty two one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think I think in terms of the the difference between this and, say, your traditional blue, white, red control deck, obviously, this one just tries to, to load up on threat density and jam those threats on turns two, three and four and then protect them after you've like landed them. So let's kind of go through the gauntlet a little bit of how this one plays. So I think we sure. covered I think we covered twin. Uh, if, do you want to go a little bit into the Grixis twin since we just round that out? Yeah, and then and then we if you want we can I can actually run that into sort of like the other variants of Grixis, which I think are relevant. So yeah, yeah right. Um, so Grixis twin is interesting because they basically play fewer actual copies of the combos. So game one, you actually don't have to worry too much about it, and they're absolutely not playing Blood Moon in the meantime, right? Right. So <clears throat> none of them are playing. Almost none of them are playing Discard, and zero of them are playing Liliana Devale. Correct. So you basically have this window where you can, again, the same rule applies. You just kind of have to get over the turn three, turn four buffer, but their threats line up terribly against Path to Exile and Remand. Terribly. Because Angler gets remanded, which is great. Or path, yeah. Either way, yeah, it's good or, for you. Or like, or like path, <laughs> they just eat paths, right? And they're and it's not like you feel like an idiot for pathing a friggin' Snapcaster Mage, right? Like, like you you are getting good return on your path exile against a five five or a four five, and they have to dedicate a lot of resources and spend a lot of stuff to put that card on the table, right? Whether so... it's thought scours or all that sort of stuff, right? So your goal number one is to create a window to resolve Geist of Saintraft. As soon as you do that, there's pro- there's like less than, there's almost zero chance you lose. Can we also almost. just acknowledge for a quick second, like, I was thinking about this with Grixis the other day. Jerry T wrote an article that I read about the, the three variants of Grixis, and he broke them all mm-hmm. down. Yep. Just, just thinking about them Great printing. Article, by the way. What? Great article, by the way. Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, just thinking about them printing Delve cards, and then just being like, well... Thoughtscour exists. How absurd Thoughtscour is in the context of like delve cards. Just like thinking about Angler, and you're just like, yeah, I'll just end of turn making my make my five five three cheaper and get a card out of it for oh, one. Yeah. I'll cantrip yeah. cantrip Soul Ring. Yeah, let me just cantrip at Soul Ring end of turn, and uh, then I'll just untap and like it's just absurd. Yeah, let alone the fetch lands that I'm playing with. <laughs> Silly, yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So that's Grixis. Um. What about kind of the black green X decks, Jund and Abzan? Sure. So, so I think blue red twin. You're probably fifty fifty. Um, 
just sort of on the table. You do need to be aware of what your role management is in that matchup. As far as the Grixis match goes, I think you're your favorite. I think you're probably 60-40, although they'll argue the otherwise. But again, result, you know, scoreboard. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I think as far as Grixis control goes, you're winning that match like 70% of the time. And they often just don't know why they're losing. Um Green black X decks are interesting. So Jund is certainly easier to beat than Abzan, I think. Um, it's Abzan when Abzan was really, really big and everyone was playing rhinos and Tassigers and, and that was what they were doing. And people stopped playing Bob and they were playing lingering souls alongside these huge dumb animals. We were in a tough spot. Right. That's, that's kind of where this deck fell out of favor is because, you know, lingering souls plus Liliana the veil plus rhino is really hard for guys to kind of get through. It was, it was, it certainly was. And I mean, if you take a look at the list that we all played in, um, in SG Baltimore for that week, as I drove out for that one, uh, we were playing, you know, we were definitely prepared for that one. Uh, we were playing, uh, f- two copies of Electrolyze plus a fork bolt in the main deck. Uh, we were playing, uh, Valorous stances in the sideboard in multiples. We were playing Sore of Temptations in multiples. Um, all of these cards, which are naturally good against those strategies, um, alongside with our like path axles and stuff already. So um, it it did require a lot of sideboard slant uh, in order to accommodate those matchups. But now it's starting to it's starting to filter out a little bit. It's not quite as as powerful. And and now we've kind of added in um, we've changed up the counter suite a little bit and added uh, cup, you know cut the re the remands into uh, two remands and two mana leaks to keep our opponents honest. And added two copies of Cryptic Command, which which generally are very good against the Green Black X decks. I also mm-hmm. noticed two copies of Serum Visions, which back in the day in these decks was not like a staple. Like there has been a shift towards that, right? With the, like the Grixis decks are, are obviously one of the big shifts, but just just the sort of I think Chapin was recently talking about. He, he started to talk just he refers to them as Serum Visions decks, but he's sort of like there's no such thing anymore. He's like it's just if you're playing blue, it's probably correct to just be playing Serum Visions. We had two slots that were left over, and we weren't sure what we wanted to put in it, but we knew we wanted a little bit more card draw, especially with the shift uh, away from, or with the addition of Mana Leak over some remands. And ultimately, what we found was our sideboard cards are just so absurdly powerful that, you know, Serum Visions does a really good job of making sure that, A, we help hit our lands on time, you know, or late game, we don't draw so much gas, or so much so much air, rather, you know. Um, but most importantly, post-board is that it digs you faster to your powerful sideboard cards, which instantly win the game when you resolve them. Right, right, your stony silence and whatnot. Right, so, I mean, that makes sense. I, I would say I agree with you fully that, like, Cryptic Command is probably the good card in that matchup, just because... It's four drop versus four drop, and yours gains way more value at many in yep. many ways than theirs ends up doing. Um, and you're able to do it because you're keeping your mana untapped throughout the whole yep. matchup. So out of the two green black X decks, like I would much prefer to face John with this deck uh, any day of the week um, over over Absent, just because Lingering Souls is such a pain in the butt. Uh, but Bob is great because Bob is an out. Uh, oh right. Be- oh yeah. So, I mean, we're a burn deck at heart, right? We're playing four Volts, four Helixes, two Electrolyzes, plus guys stay trapped as a red card. So, Bob's an out. It's not, it's not all the time. Like, there are game plans which get formulated around, oh, you're stalled on lands? I'll leave Bob alive. And I'll just Fair start enough. attacking you with my guys to stay trapped. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just taking, letting them take the damage while you just get more damage in. And eventually yeah. they either have to block your guy store and you have ways to stop that from being a problem or they're just going to take damage and lose yes how how many igonjo castles do you play what two one i play one no we play one igonjo castle 
Um, the, it's really tough. Uh, we've played two ghost quarters as well, just okay. because it's it's a really nice, effective way to. It's good against the big mana decks because you can interact with them earlier than you know tectonic edge. Uh, sometimes right. in a pinch, it fixes your mana against uh, blood moon, which is nice. So if they try to resolve a blood moon, you just like kill two lands and get your planes. Right, just to keep keep alive at that point. Yeah. Which it happens. Magic, it's, so. it's, it's corner case, right? But uh, but I mean, it's, it's a bit more added utility. Plus, sometimes you need to interact with Aikmoth Nexus against, you know, of Infect on turn two. Oh, so. I, I totally... I, I was tweaking the deck that I played at several events this summer. I ended up with one and then eventually two main deck ghost quarters myself. It, it's, yeah. it's totally it's totally worthwhile. Right. Um, so speaking, by the way, of, of big mana decks, I guess, wh- what sure. is kind of the matchup there? I'm assuming it's a little bit of a race. Uh, Amal is not terrible. Uh, believe it or not. Amulet, because um, you can interact early with... You have Counter Magic, which helps. You have Counter Magic, which is nice. And Post Board, it's nice, too, because like you can just dispel their packs, right? Right, right. Which is a pretty big game. And then you've got, you've got Path to Exiles and, and uh, Valor Sands to kill all their Titans anyway. Right. So, you know, like, it's it's not bad. You're bringing in Wear and Terrors as it is, because you kind of want to kill Amulet. If they try to resolve, you know, Hive Mind, then you've gotten out to that. So, like, a lot of your cards are out. Um, you just shave some of your burn, and, and you just try to get a little bit more honest. You know, Vindillion Click does a really good job of trying to mess up their hands and their draws, so that's also nice. Uh, and again, card, sweet, sweet card. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> they're just outstanding. I mean, I played three of them in Boston, right? I mean, they're just that good. Um, well, but, one of the reasons that I like V-Click is it's it's kind of the prime example of them using the, the negative effect on a – like, the negative effect of Legendary as, like, actually a drawback versus, like, oh, this is going to be a commander card. This is, like, no, 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 no. It, it would be a problem if we let you have two of these and play at once. You think? <laughs> <laughs> Snap four of, not close. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so so the amulet decks are, I mean, they can still nut draw you, but, I mean, that's the nature of the deck, right? So y- it is very dependent on you having their answers, but, you know, your middling, your decent draws can line up pretty well against their, you know, their middling draws, and, and that's not bad as far as big mana decks are concerned, I think. Well, I think blue-white is probably Amulet in general's worst matchup, just any combination of blue-white cards, because they have Counter Magic and Path to Exile, which are the and two I, like best answers against them. I agree. Um, what would you like say? Red-green Tron is functionally the bane of the existence of this deck. <laughs> well, you, I don't know. I feel like you would have no problem dealing with a six-drop really? lifelinking guy that dies and gets them another lifelinking guy. That that actually isn't so much of a problem as much as the, you main know, turn three car, or more importantly, four copies of main deck Pyroclasm. <laughs> yeah, that seems... Uh... Main, the main deck Pyro seems like... That seems so brutal against this deck. It's savage, yeah. Yeah, the, the beats are real. Um, there have been a number of times where... You can get lucky if you've got a pretty good hand that combines uh, permission with Snapcaster Mages and Bolts and Burn and stuff like that. It's where you can play that tempo game where maybe you're like remanding something and then you untap and you click it at other hand or, you know, that sort of thing. And, it, and those games happen sometimes, but I, you are like no better than 30% against Red Green Tron. Right. I think, I think I went really deep once in trying to figure out the best possible plan I could come up with against Tron with this deck. Um, during that whole like pre Blood Raid Elf ban era, and the best thing I came up with was I played three Tolario Wests and four Ghost Quarter, <laughs> and I would yeah. just like chain into them, eventually drawing them out of lands, and then but like at that point you're running four Tolario West and three Ghost Quarter, so it was right. kind of a, a deep hole that was a little too deep. I mean, we we at some point we were playing uh, three copies of Avon Mind Sensor when Birthing Pod was legal. Right. Uh, so that was fine against them as well. Stony Silence can be pretty good because it can stymie their, their mana development. 
because uh, it stops all their rocks and their search stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but Blood Moon, not... I feel like this deck could pull off Blood Moon. I mean, I guess with the Celestial Colonnades, it's hard, but you could, I mean, with the right tutor, you know, fetch lands, you can pretty much pull off getting the basic lands you need to pull it off. It It, it is possible, but I just don't, it's not something that I'm interested in doing, I don't think. Like, the the difficult part about Modern is, is that you, you do have to play matchup roulette sometimes. True. Right? It's, it's no. And, and like, if, if the matchup that I'm giving up is red-green Tron... You're not the um, worst place. I, it's I'm not in the worst place, right? Because, like, that's one of those decks that comes and goes throughout the format. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm we're okay there. Like, it sucks sometimes. And, and you know, I, I like to, you know, openly mock my twin opponents and make them feel bad for playing it. And, you know, my motto is friends don't let friends play Tron and, you know, that sort of stuff. And blue, uh, blue-white Tron or blue Tron is actually – we're actually pretty good there. Just, uh, just because Pyroclasm is no longer part of the, the race. Part of the equation, yeah. Um, all right, so last but not least, uh, Affinity. Great, yeah. Uh, I play uh, eight Lightning Bolts, two Electrolyzes, four copies of Snapcaster Mage. <laughs> and Path. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Um, now, it, that's, I mean, like, it's it's a fine matchup. I, I feel slightly favored. Post-board is even better. I mean, we pick up uh, Engineered Explosives, which is really good. Uh, Anger of the Gods actually is kind of floating back and forth between that and Shatterstorm for me right now. Okay. Um, and, and I mean, Shadowstorm, like, the two matchups you used to run Anger of the Gods for were Birthing Pod decks and, and that, so I can see Shadowstorm Actually, no. Being... No, not at all. I actually, when, so funny enough, when I when Birthing Pod was legal, I did not play Anger of the Gods. Really? Weird. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I did play two copies of Magma Spray, though. Uh, Mag- uh, one mana, two damage, Does removed the from the thing. game? Yeah. Instead, yeah, absolutely. Well, because it gets rid of Kitchen Finks and Voice of Resurgence, and it cost me one mana, and it's Snapcasterable. It's true. That is sweet. Fair enough. Yeah. And it was really sweet because you could actually, like, um, ev- so I- against Birthing Pod, there were these cute tricks where, you know, they would cast a Kitchen Finks into an empty board of the pot on the table, and they think that they're safe to, like, go and get a thing, but they forget that the two, the life gain is a trigger. So uh, they okay. Finks, and then the life gain trigger goes in the stack, and then you Magma Spray it, and they can't pot it because it was sorcery speed. <laughs> 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 um cool so that's blue white red is there anything else you want to like any good tips or tricks for uh hashtag team geist yeah uh elspeth sun's champion is insane in Ex- modern es- explain <laughs> yeah six man in modern seems a little rough okay have you ever attacked with celestial colonnade uh, i have yes 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 you know how much mana that costs Six mana, vaguely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's a land. Have it's ever, a blue-white land. Light, have you ever seen the light die out in your opponent, in your black-green X opponent's eyes when you resolve Elspeth Sun's champion? No, that sounds sweet, though. I mean, I have in standard, <laughs> but I can imagine that being just as good in modern. Yeah, yeah there, is, there is not a single black-green X deck that can possibly beat Elspeth Sun's champion right now. It's, it, it's completely fair. absurd. Yeah, like, you, you resolve Elspeth, you wrath their board, and then they still have to kill your Elspeth. Or you play Elspeth, and then you create infinity chump blockers for their monstrous oozes, goifs, and whatever, uh, and then eventually just kill them with the ultimate. Um, it's completely insane. Elspeth Sun's champion was uh, a very welcome addition. It used to be Thunderbolt Hellkite okay, uh, in our set. But with Lingering Souls and stuff trailing off and, and Abzan being less of an issue, Sun's champion has just picked up the slack, and she's been overperforming. Um, and is it static caster surprisingly has been pretty good as well. That's been, uh, is it static caster has definitely been part of the, the field of blue, white, red decks for a while now. I've definitely seen that card has definitely impressed me before. 
Just there's so many X ones in the format. Staticaster. Staticaster. Yeah. Well, it also it has haste, right? Yeah, it has haste and flash and all these good. Yeah, and it's an O three, so that's cute too. And, and decks, yeah, we'll also like decks with with resto, just like make it even sweeter. Just right. like you yeah. get the, the ping one resto ping again is like excellent. Yeah. The value, I can't. I can't. <laughs> uh, right. The other card that's unique, the last one that I will say is, is Valor Stance has actually been extremely good for this deck as well. It makes sense. It, it seems powerful. I like. There's so many. Stance. There's so many car- decks playing like random four X's or bigger, like just between Grixis playing all the Delve creatures and between, you know, Abzan and John playing all those, it definitely makes sense. It's a good card in the format. Yeah. And like, it's, it does double duty in Grixis too, because like, you can use it to, you know, save from a Terminate when you need to. Fair enough. All right. So that's, that's it for uh, hashtag team Geist. I want to thank you, Scott, for coming on today. Where's the, where's the best place for people to find you on the internet? Uh, they can reach me on Twitter. It's at Mr. Scotty Mac, uh, M-R-C-O-T-T-Y-M-A-C. Uh, they can, of course, check out my Twitch channel at uh, the same. It's twitch.tv slash Mr. Scotty Mac. My podcast is on manadeprived.com under the A-team. And uh, occasionally I will be writing articles for manadeprived.com. So if you want to, you can go check those out. Uh, most uh, Next, I will be in uh, my next big tournament that i'm playing in is actually gp oklahoma city which is september 11th and it is of course modern uh it sounds like the full team guys contingent will be there so if you guys are interested in coming and meeting uh you know larry and jason and i then you guys can come out get a custom token and we'll sign it all off and all that jazz awesome sounds sweet so that's that's where they can find me and for all you listen out there and that weren't just like you're in your car and you didn't write all that down real quick, all those things will be linked to them uh, at the rocketjump.com website where this is posted. Uh, as a reminder, we are at the MMCast on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter, Instagram, and it's not so much Periscope anymore, but maybe someday. <laughs> uh, remember to rate us on iTunes. That's important. That's the way other people can find us. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for coming on, Scott. No problem, guys. Thanks Thanks for for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the mmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.